Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. So good. Hi, I'm Jacob. Uh, can I get a quick raise of hands if this is your first time ever to Saints Hill Church? Wow. Okay, no one. Oh, a couple people? If, even if it's just one, we bless you. We honor you. Thank you for being with our family. Uh, what a joy it is um, to be with you. My name is Jacob. If we haven't met, I'm the worship director here. Um, I've been gone for a bit. I've been back now for a bit. But if, How many of you were here enough to see that Alex and my, myself were gone? And then Alex, uh, when he spoke, when he came back, he showed a picture of his baby. So I felt like I got to show a picture of my baby. Not yet. <laughs> Little backstory. It's kind of funny. I don't know if you guys know this. God is crazy. He does crazy things, and it doesn't make sense. We have uh, the Retmans and us have daughters. They were born a week apart. Not planned. Crazy. She has the same birthday as Alex Retman. It is weird. <laughs> Later on. We had sons. They were less than a week apart. Weird. Crazy. I had Gabriel. Here he is. It's Gabriel. So my wife is amazing. We are doing good. Uh, our daughter, our first, Frankie Joe Francis Franklin, um, is loving it. She's such a good older sister. Um, she calls him because she can't really say R's or L's. She says Gabido. And uh, honestly, to this day, I don't think I've ever called him Gabriel. I call him Gabido. My wife does not love it because she's like, you got to say it right so that he can say it right. And I've even actually noticed that since I've been back, uh, some of you I've talked to, you're like, oh, what's your son's name? And I probably seem like I don't know my son's name because you will say, what's your son's name? And then I stop and I'm Gabriel. Because I don't want to be like, oh, his name is Gabido. And they're like, okay, we knew you were, we knew you were Latino, but that was weird. Um, I think we have time for this. Guys, all throughout worship, this is legit what was going on in my mind. I said, today, this morning, I want to have a silly goose time. <laughs> I want the joy of the Lord to fill this place. Um, I want his spirit to come and bring freedom and set myself and some of you free. Um, up to this point, we actually, Andoni too, maybe I don't even need to give this message because what he shared in the welcome was about, is my message. Um, it's about dependency on Christ. Um, there's already been some talks about Jesus healing people. We believe at St. Hill that Jesus is a healer and he still heals today. That should make you really happy. It should make you really happy that we read the word here and take it for what it says. Um, so I think we have some time in worship. Um, I felt like I wanted to pray for some things, and then we will get into the message. Uh, I felt like uh, God was uh, wanting to heal. I saw wrists, wrists. I saw like wrists turning like this, and they were weak. So I don't know if somebody here like had a bad accident with wrists, like you, something like that, and it just didn't heal right. So I saw in my mind's eye uh, wrists like this, and they were weak. So we're going to pray for you in a second. Uh, 
if that is you. I saw a right knee, the Lord touching a right knee. So if there's somebody that just uh, has trouble in their right knee, uh, we're going to see what Jesus wants to do. We know what he wants to do. This one is kind of interesting. Food allergies, where it brings really big pain. And I even wrote this quote. I felt like you would, because some people were like, I'm allergic to pickles, and I'm kind of like, fine. It's whatever. I felt like specifically that it was like you would almost say, like, I hate this allergy. Like, this allergy really stinks. Um, Let's start with those. If that is any of you, we're going to do this quick. If that's any of you, weak wrists, right knee, or food allergies, go ahead and stand if you would, if you feel comfortable. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Um, This is pretty simple. The word says, speak to the mountain and it shall be moved. These signs follow those that believe. And this is a room filled with believers. Um, So if you're not standing, that means you have health to give. So let's stand. You are now recruited to the Saints Hill prayer team. Some of you already, I can tell in this room, you're like, why does the worship guy have to speak? I can feel that in the room. We will be back to our regular viewing next week, I promise. Um, this is all you need to do. Uh, I'm not asking for a counseling session. So don't ask. You don't need a story. You don't need anything. Just quickly, if you stood up, just say what it is. Say wrist, knee, allergy. And we're just going to take like 30 seconds. Um, all you need to do is speak to that and say, Jesus... Heal that wrist, heal that knee. In Jesus' name, pain be gone. In Jesus' name. So go ahead and lift your voices. Pray how you would want to get prayed for. Yes, Holy Spirit, we honor you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love to reveal Jesus. And Jesus... We don't have to convince you to heal. It's who you are. We get to partner with what you purchased on the cross. So we speak to those wrists, that knee food allergies, and say, be gone in Jesus' name. Full healing. Spirit of infirmity, just reoccurring pain, be gone in Jesus' name. I thank you that in heaven, there is working bodies. And so you said, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So just take a moment. If you can physically test out what that was, wrist, knee, do it uh, with wisdom. With wisdom. Yeah, you can be seated. Now, do not be nice to me at all. Um, If you feel like you are 80% or more better, go ahead and just raise your hand. If you feel like Holy Spirit's doing something, that's amazing. Okay, we honor you. That's awesome. Uh, It's also legal to pray twice. And so when the the prayer team comes forward, um, uh, please come get prayer if you still need breakthrough. Here's the last one, and then we're going to start. I, when I reached out to some people, I got like two or three of this same type of testimony. And it was about prodigals coming home. Uh, He puts the lonely into families. Amen? Amen. That's what the church is for. That's what we get to pray for. And so uh, I was texting back and forth with a couple people. And it was simple as this. Uh, My daughter has been distanced since like October, that like kind of winter time. Something opened up, which this would not be normal for us to have a dinner. 
So even if you're a parent or something like that, you already know that's a big deal. So you're having dinner and it was awkward, but then it ended up being good. And then they got a text after saying, thank you so much for bringing peace into my life. So God's restoring families. I got two other stories that were like that of I haven't talked to this cousin. It was a cousin and a sister, cousin and a sister. And so if you um, have somebody in your life that you are praying for, um, it could be a son, a daughter or something where you just are like they once were with the Lord or they're into this thing and it's and it's it's leading to hell. Whatever it is, we are going to take a moment and pray for prodigals. So if that's you, if someone comes to mind, you can stand up for that person. Go ahead and stand. So just out of, out of standing is an act of faith to just say, that's me. And so let me just pray, and would you agree with me? Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal to these people the person of Jesus? I thank you for the testimonies I've heard of dinner dates happening of that random text and then a connection sparking again. Would you give us wisdom on how to lead our relationships well? May we represent you well, Lord. And we just declare that this is a season where the prodigals will come home in Jesus' name. Lord, we also boldly just say, we know that there's people in our lives that have not said yes to you. We take your scripture at its word. They are, go they are going they have sin, it's separated, and there's a place called hell, and it hurts my heart. And so we just say, come home. Come to Jesus. Be saved. In Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip to Proverbs chapter 3. Once you're there, you're like, gosh, up and down, up and down. You're getting your steps in. Once you're there, go ahead and stand. Um, because we're going to stand to read today's text. Proverbs chapter 3. You guys there? Let's read this uh, together. You can follow along with me, but um, we're reading the word, but let's allow the Holy Spirit to read us as we do it, as we look at this wisdom literature. Trust in the, oh, we're going to start at verse 5 to 11. Sorry. Verse 5. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son or daughter, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Would you stay standing? Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We take a moment and slow down and give you our attention and our affection. Thank you for your living word.
Lord, I pray for your joy to fill this place. Your joy that would actually get us excited about the kingdom. May this morning be a mixture of joy, but also just like the sword that is your word cutting us deep. We are in the business of not just hearing the words I have to say, but what you are saying, Spirit, because we want to be more like Jesus. I pray for anyone in this room that is feels bondage in their life, feels pain, feels confusion. Holy Spirit, come and rest in this place. We ask for more of you. In this talk, in the messiness of my words and my thoughts, that you would cut deep. I pray for myself, Lord, that you'd give me wisdom. Anything that isn't of you, may it fall to the ground. Jesus' name. Amen. On your way down, just hit your neighbor and say, hey, you should listen to this guy today. My biggest prayer this morning is that the Spirit would recalibrate us to his upside-down kingdom. That sounds kind of Christianese. It sounds kind of funky, but... As I was preparing this and seeing this text that a lot of times could just be like an old uh, Sunday school text, I pray that actually as we read it through, we'd actually see, oh my gosh, this is not like our world today. And that when, when I say recalibrate, that when we allow the word and the spirit of God to touch us as we are minist- being ministered to, by him, by the word, that our, our thoughts our hearts, our values would almost be like re-centered to his kingdom. We need to be reminded this morning of his upside down kingdom. I want to start with this thought. In this world, maturity and most of all success are gained and measured by the continual bigger and better things you achieve. This can be measured by more and more knowledge you gain. Success is a lot of time found in, quote, how far out ahead you can get from everyone else. Earthly maturity, wisdom, success tells you that your main goal is to be self-sufficient. Self-producing, and dare I say, be as independent as you can. Get to the top by any means necessary. Outbe, outwin, or out, quote, life hack everyone around you. Earthly success tends to look a lot more like addition. How many things can I externally add to my life? A constant bigger and better mentality. The success markers can be what's in your bank account, what you own, your accolades, your pedigree, your resume, your connections. This is a big one. How much more you have than others of your connections. This one's silly. It can be your special top secret knowledge that really you just got from a podcast. How, how you have outwitted your schedule to manipulate your 24 hours of the day better than the person next to you. As I said before, from what I see, and I think if you really think about it, earthly success looks like how independent can I be? Where I don't need anyone's help, I can fully think for myself because I've gotten all the info I need. This is what it looks like in this day and age to be a big boy, a big girl, adult. In the earth, success is a god. And the more you explore that reality, you you realize the more independent you have actually become that lower G case god. 
now. In the kingdom, for the believer, success and maturity is found in being childlike. The goal is that as I physically grow older in this life, the younger I get in the Lord. Maturity and success, like Andoni was talking about earlier, looks like radical dependency. As you grow older in the kingdom, you realize maturity, wisdom, success is a lot more about subtraction than addition. Unlike the world... It's way more about being a follower than a leader. You actually trust someone else with your life and the outcomes of it. Success in the kingdom is found in putting on humility, meekness, and continually every day waking up as a child with a good father. This is the type of life mastery you should strive for. Dependency. Now, something that I love um, every year, I think it's been about every year, Alex. Every year, as we go into the new year, um, Alex, as our senior leader, he writes out like a note, like a prophetic note to our, our church, our family, but he also gives out a word for the year. It's awesome. This last uh, January, some of you remember, Alex brought the word dependent, dependency. Do you guys remember that? Does anybody remember that? Show of hands. We're in this together. Awesome. That word for me personally really rang true. I thought it was spot on. Um, And when I was asked to speak, I felt like that's what the Lord brought to mind. Dependency. Now, in this talk, I want to talk about what it's like to depend on God, um, but also with gaining wisdom and trust. I'm going to use trust and dependency very interchangeably, okay? And then um, I want to talk about a life of prayer, And how a life of prayer is a sure, solid sign of a believer that they are actually dependent on God. Okay? So a few goals or attempts for my talks today. One, um, this message is more about the how to depend on God. I think we've done a really good job. I think we've done this. But I think we've done a really good job on the why do we depend on God. Um, The uh, why, the what, like what is depending on God. Uh, we talk a lot about surrender, a lot around here, even to the point where I, th- <laughs> I think we've gotten some flack about, all oh, you guys talk about is surrender. So let me just say this. If you are here this morning, and you are like a surrender tank full, don't even need to surrender more. Actually, this dependency thing. So it's for the believer next to you that, it, you know, so pray for them. Um, I think surrender, dependency is like this, what we learn in the garden in regards to trust, is that we were designed to depend on God and trust his word. Okay? So this is a very practical how to depend on God. The second goal is really that my goal is as I give you, I hope as you get equipped, as I get equipped of, okay, simple things from the scripture, from the wisdom literature today, How do I depend on God? That those wouldn't just stay as tasks to do, but as as we see that those tasks actually lead us out of selfishness to now produce a life of miracles and the life of the kingdom. Okay? That's a good goal. I'm going to attempt to do that. (laughs) 
Uh, and then lastly, the third one, these are all temps. Hopefully um, I, I can do this. I even thought of uh, this one. I thought of having, I, I had this picture of me having like a bell up here, which also knowing some of you crazies, I'm going to get like 20 bells like, de like delivered to my front door this week, which I love. Uh, I just simply was like, we're going to read the text, see all the upside down kingdom stuff in it. And I had this picture where I was like, I want a bell that is just like upside down kingdom alert. Ding, 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 ding. So we're going to do that. I'm going to have you, everyone get your bell up. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, so there's going to be different times. Because even us just reading the text, allowing the text to read us, to realize how upside down of a kingdom we're invited to, I promise you, it is anti-cultural to what you are around. We live in an upside down kingdom where it's actually anti or like a counter what society is telling you to do. And therefore, I believe that some of those upside down traits that we're going to see, it's actually spiritual warfare. How many of you know in this day and age, for example, rest is anti-cultural? And therefore, it sounds a little dramatic, it's spiritual warfare. So we're going to do that today. Um, and then I think just for some of you that just really know about preaching this type of, I want like all expectations out. This is kind of different than what I normally do in regards to this is almost, I'm going to take an attempt. If I were in a living room with like 10 of you, this is how I would teach. So this is going to be a line by line devotional. You'll get something else next week. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> uh, real quick, lastly, on, in regards to dependency of why I felt like this was heavy, Alex shared this thing. I wasn't here last Sunday, but I listened to the podcast. He said this one phrase that was so short, which I want short phrases, Lord, short, short and so to the point, and, and I think perfectly describes the last series that we're in. He said this simple line, if you were here, he said this. What did you say? No, I'm just kidding. He said this. He said, all of this, everything that he talked about, a life of being discipled, being a discipline is, is so that you can feed Newburgh. That's a big deal. That's so simple, but that's a big deal. Is that all of this is so that you can change your family's life, you can change where you work, the environment, all of that, because I have seen so many believers that take the disciplines or take different things from the text, because now I'm going to give you how to be dependent, that it all becomes, if we're not careful, a self-centering gospel. That everything that you do now is sustained by what, how you do it, and it's all pointing to you. When really that whole discipleship series was, yes, there's an order to it. Get rid of selfishness. Get rid of these things. Learn how to get close to God. But why? So that you can now be on mission and represent him well. Amen. So dependency on God, real quick, is this. Because it's going to be a lot of how-to, but here's the backbone. All of these how-tos is for the people around you. You are dependent on God for other people. You may not be getting this. You are dependent on God. What is dependency? We're going to get there in a second. It's trusting God. What does that mean? You have dealt with, because I was asking myself, this is how I'm going to tear, tear back the veil a little bit. God, I actually think about dependency a lot. I think about um, surrender a lot. But like, why? Like, like, why? like, why is it so important to me? And if I'm honest, what kept coming to mind was this. It's so that I'm not selfish. It's so that I don't worship my bank account. It's so I'm a better husband. How many of you know all of those things are good? That is part of it. But 
All of that is like bottom of the barrel stuff. It's part of it, but it's get rid of selfishness so that now I can represent Christ. It's not just a how-to so that I can become a better husband. Okay? I gotta move on. Here we go. So this is why we're doing it. We're gonna learn how to be dependent for other people so that we can feed our town. Um, let's all stand. Oh, wait, we already did that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I promise I'll be on worship next week. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, I love you too. Um, Okay, so this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna start Proverbs 3, verse 5, and we're gonna just go through this together, and we are going to ding, 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 find these different upside-down kingdom ways of thinking and living so that we can depend on God. So look down at your Bible, Proverbs 3, verse 5. I'm gonna get in trouble, but not really. I'm The Lord's proud. Okay, here we go. Verse 5, here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Here we go, bells up, ding, 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 ding. Upside down kingdom alert, okay? This already is crazy. Everything about you, around you, I promise you, is trust. Notice that it doesn't say trust the Lord with all your mind. Gosh. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. So, I'm not, I'm not anti-intellect. I'm not anti-knowledge. There's so much things about the scripture that talk about the mind, everything. We have the mind of Christ. This is beautiful. But notice in this passage, in regards to what I would argue, depending on God, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What you can understand, grasp, perceive, comprehend in your heart, I believe at times is way bigger than what your mind can handle. Your heart can take you places your mind can't. Okay, that was better than you reacted. Um, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I, this makes me think of out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in your heart will come out. You may think that you have all these thoughts and just whatever thought comes to mind, you say. Sure, we can have that conversation. But I would argue that what came out of your mouth was brewing in your heart first. It was brewing in your heart first. This is why we're told to guard our heart. Um, another clear example of this, of how the heart, actually, I would argue, maybe not all the time, but most of the time, I think the believer is called to lead with their heart. I didn't say lead with emotions. I said lead with heart because I could tell you every day that Jesus loves you. How many of you know we have tons of believers in this room? I promise you there's probably a time you know even exact date and time, the first time in your heart you experienced something moved from your mind to your heart and something happened in you where it said, Jesus actually loves me. And that began to lead your life and dictate the choices you made and how you saw yourself. And then every time you didn't feel that, I promise you this is where the mind's powerful. It's It's beautiful. You take every thought captive, a thought comes in your mind, oh, uh, actually, God doesn't love me. I promise you that if you didn't have that hard experience, you, you, you then take your, that thought, you, you kind of kill it with truth, you have that thing, but you are pulling from the power and that history of your heart experienced it. <laughs> so, 
How to depend on God. You trust in God with all of your heart. Trust in God with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. That lean, another way to put that is that which supports you. Don't let your understanding be what supports you. Make sure that you have a constant need of God where you must lean on God for breakthroughs. Okay? So what it's saying here is that I would argue that if there is, if in your Christian walk, this is anti-cultural because we're, we're, we're really led to lead with knowledge in our mind. I just think as a right order. Is that if in your Christian walk, you can explain everything with your mind. You can explain everything. There's really, if you're honest, not crazy room for mystery. You can explain everything I would argue you have now reduced God down to your size. And get this, if you have done this, is there a need for trust? Okay, okay. I mean, I'm actually fine. I'm actually getting ministered to. That's why I'm kind of slowing down. So we are called to not lean on just our own, our own understanding. We are called then to lean on Christ's understanding. So how do you depend on God? In the earth, we live sometimes in a dog-eat-dog world where actually, hey, you got to earn my trust. That's fair. That's true. If you're married, you know that. But actually, in the kingdom, there is that. But actually, God actually trusts you more than you trust yourself. I think... And he trusts you to trust him. And he's actually saying, we get to start with trust. But you trust in your heart. Because I've done a work with you in your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. So if you feel kind of comfortable in your walk, if you're like, actually, you know what? I think in this season, I can explain everything. Like, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's a sermon. I understand worship. When I come to church, I can understand everything. I would argue you need to take more risks. Privately and publicly. Do be put in situations where God has to show up so that you actually have a place of trust. Okay? Next verse. In all your ways, submit to him. And this is an amazing promise. He will make your path straight. I actually like what the New King James says in this. It says this. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. What does this look like? How do you depend on God in this circumstance? We acknowledge the God who is the Father that wants to be enormously involved in every part of your life. In every aspect of your life, how do you depend on God? You wake up and you actually acknowledge him in the ways that he set out for you. So very practical. If you're a teacher, what does that look like? In that he created this path that was tailored for you and he's a father that just wants to be involved. He doesn't want to take over things. He wants to actually see a spirit work through you. Co-laboring in Genesis was his idea, right? And so a life that is dependent on God acknowledges him in every single way. So if you're a teacher, you don't just like compartmentalize that and say like, God, yeah, thank you that I'm a teacher and then I do the church stuff on Sunday. You actually honor him in that vocation and say, God, you are the best teacher, in private, you learn the type of teacher that he is, 
And then you, you, in this working relationship, you now get to reveal in that classroom a good teacher because you taught, you acknowledged him in your way. If you're an artist, if you're a musician, God is the best artist and musician. So you acknowledge him in that way and ask him to lead you. This one's easy. If you're a parent, God is the best father. So if some of you, because here's the promise, if you do this, your path is straight. So if you are in a way right now and your path feels like switchbacks, confusing, I would argue, where's your dependency on God? Have you acknowledged him in that way? If parenting seems more draining and really I just need to get to the secret place and pray and that's, this is distracting, have you acknowledged, God, you're a father and you're teaching me how to father and mother my children. I acknowledge you. And when you do that and you acknowledge that he wants to co-labor with you in that, the promise is he will make your path straight. I think some of you are already getting a little set free. Alex, in one of his talks, like in the past, he, talk, he talked about this path where it's like, it's, it's, not, it's not saying this is an easy path. He said it's a lot of times for him, it's this narrow, short, like incline, like trail. And it's kind of, do you, do, does anyone remember that talk? It's like this path. And I just want to encourage you that when it may not always be easy, but I will take straight paths, clean, not bumpy paths, way more than the switchbacks, confusion, darkness. This is why I think that, is if you're on a path that is straight, I argue you can even do that. If you trust God, you can do that in the dark times. It may be hard, but if you knew, if you knew that, okay, I'm going to acknowledge him all my ways, the path that he then put out for me is straight, not bumpy. Even when my eyes are closed, I can just keep walking straight. He's all about co-laboring. The paths that are straight make me realize that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Next verse, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. The next how to depend on God is this, do not be wise in your own eyes. What does this mean? What does this look like? I would say simply put, it's saying this, in all that you do, you will never, never have a heart that says I have arrived. It's like being a child. It's waking up every day, not you being the judge of your wisdom. I also think this, this has to do with, is there other people around you? Are you submitted to other people where they actually say that you're wise? Are you making decisions with the Lord and with other people where you feel you're not the one saying I'm wise? It's the people around you. Oh, upside down kingdom, ring the bell. Thank you, brother. Next. This is, Alex has talked a lot about this. Fear the Lord and shun evil. How do you depend on God? You grow in the fear of the Lord. Upside down kingdom alert. Thank you. Some of you are like, I did that one time and that was stupid. <laughs> fear of man on the earth draws you away from people. Fear on this, on, in the earth draws you away from people. You get afraid and you go off and perform. There's a fear of God that draws you to God. How many of you had a time where you would say you genuinely have felt disciplined by the Lord, where it even felt pokey, it felt rough, it felt hard to walk through. You saw the perfect father shepherd you, prune you. But then after that, it built a bigger hunger for him. 
and you wanted more touch, his touch in your life. That's the fear of the Lord. I believe that one aspect of the fear of the Lord is it's being afraid. How do you depend on God? It's this. It's being afraid of wasting a day away from him. A fear of what life could look like without him. We greatly experience the fear when we resist and shun evil. It's practical stuff. I'm a pretty simple meat and potatoes kind of guy. This is simple. When you fear God and you shun evil, you keep his hand close to you, his touch close to you, and it does this thing where you wake up feeling like, I must depend on him. It makes me think about the times, if you're a parent, you know this. I, I do not know how to describe this. It's the times that I know, this is not every time, the times that I know that I've disciplined my daughter right. There's something where we have a conversation. There's a discipline, a consequence that happens. There's crying. It's a sad thing. I'm about to cry. But it's that discipline where right after something happens, if you're a parent, you know this, all she wants to do is cuddle with me. It's a beautiful thing. What is that? That's the fear of Hakobo. No, it's the fear. That's my nickname. That's the fear of the Lord. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. How do you, if you, if you feel like, am I depending on God? Do you have that? Can you experience that? Proverbs 9 later says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? So we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about trusting in God. And how do you get that? It's the fear of the Lord, staying close to him. Later on in that, it says, the knowledge of the Holy One, God our Father. It's, it's, it's the fear of the Lord's beginning of the wisdom. It's the knowledge of the Holy One. He woos us into a deep relationship with him. Desiring his wisdom produces the fear of the Lord. And then shunning evil, it keeps us from rebellion. Um, it keeps us from sin in our heart. And it keeps us close to him that, that he would shepherd us into the right things. Verse 8. This will bring, bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. This, another translation says, it will bring. So what is this and it? It's, it's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, this is simple stuff. The fear of the Lord will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. This is a key thing to depending on God. Because depending on God throughout your days is a hard thing. It can be hard. But what we see here, so even, let's say you just recently got totally free from an, an addiction. And you've had that thought, how do I walk this out with the Lord? I want health to continually uh, guide me throughout this life. How do I almost sustain this healing, if you will? I would argue it's staying close and asking for the fear of the Lord. That fear of the Lord is what will bring health to your body. Are we doing okay? Verse 9. Here we go. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Next, how to depend on God is honor the Lord with your wealth. I think this first part is talking obviously about possessions and then the second part is about giving. What does it look like to honor the Lord with your possessions? It's looking at your life, everything that you've gained in this life and you possess and you just stop and say every single thing I'm gonna give worth to Jesus for. 
How do you stay in this constant dependency on God? You actually stay humble. You stay, you, you invite meekness into your heart. And everything you realize, your pedigree, your resume, your bank account, the goods that you have, you stop and say, I honor God with every single one of these possessions. I actually realize that even on my best day, me, me getting money, going to a university, learning the teacher there, all of that could have been me and what I did. No, who gave you that beautiful mind to think? Who put the money in your bank account to go to school? Who put that teacher there? It's honoring God with all of your possessions. This is how you remain soft and tender, depend on God. And then a huge, a huge thing here is, is honoring God with your first fruits, not your last fruits. You're a person that gives to God. How do you stay um, present in your dependence on God? You actually say, oh, by me giving you my finances at the beginning of each month or whenever I get increase, say you bought your house for this thing and then you sold it for higher, that's increase. You tithe off that. You first and foremost, you just constantly think about that stuff. You sold your car for more, increase, right? You do that and it's a life that is so countercultural that it says I put God first before anything else. Upside down kingdom. Thank you. And I love this promise. Track with me here for a second. That your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. This is crazy. If you really think about this, it says this. He's talking about, okay, everything that you own, give him honor, give him worth. And then give your first fruits so that I can give you more. Upside down kingdom alert. In the earth, in the world, anybody would say that if that is somebody who is constantly gripping for more, gripping for more, doing this thing, everyone here would probably say that's a selfish person. Might get in trouble for this one. But in the kingdom, it is selfish to not want more. We have a whole ministry that was birthed out of our church. You're like, is that, that's... Does that ministry have a hard time being content? They need to calm down. No, they actually, they actually are able to take God at his word and say, I know that there's more. What's cool is selfishness goes away. You honor him with everything. You give him your first fruits. But then he said, okay, now that that's out of the way, I'm ready to give you more so that you can now bless people around you and you have this abundance to give and advance my kingdom. So in the kingdom, it is selfish to not want more. Because what happens is when you don't do that, what does that do? This lie begins to brew in your heart. I would say it's, um, maybe I won't say that. It's, it starts brewing your heart where if you're being honest, you're, if you're not asking for more, you actually don't believe that everything that he's called you in in this life, that, that maybe he, he, won't, he won't provide that thing. We're called to ask for more. How many of you have ever just sat there and been like, I really wish a wealthy person would just do something about that? <laughs> this is why people maybe don't like when I talk about this. This is why I think churches should get bigger. This is why building buildings for the kingdom is amazing. This is why we should pray for finances to come into our hands. Why? Because then it can ex ex expand his kingdom. Get rid of selfishness so that you can say, I'm a willing vessel because I want my vats of wine to overflow. Ask for more from God. Next. Last one. Verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. 
Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, he delights in. I love how just plain that is. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. It feels super real. Why would they say that? I think because sometimes, who, who wakes up in the morning just, I'm so ready to be disciplined? <laughs> I'm so ready. He's saying do not despise it because it's kind of like you want to despise it sometimes. Sometimes we, we think we're way too holy and we're just like, yeah, let's do it. No, it's actually hard. But he's actually saying uh, uh, how to depend on God, how to get blessing is to not to despise the Lord's discipline. Be close to his voice, his shepherding corrections out of love that produces that fear of him. And here's the other thing. What does that do? What's the promise? I don't know how this works. Upside down kingdom. I don't know how it works. But it does something when it happens. You feel more like a son or daughter than you ever have before. It speaks of your sonship. It speaks of you being a daughter. So if you're sitting here and you're like, you know, I actually haven't felt close to my father. I felt more like distant, all these kind of things. I would argue, this is not the only way, please hear me, but I would argue, is there ways, is there things that you're gripping on trying to be independent with? Is there things that he hasn't rebuked you on? Because I feel like after that, when you give that to God, you will feel more like a son and a daughter than you ever have. I think that's my talk. Let's end with this. Everyone move to uh, Matthew 6, and let's stand. I brought up prayer at the beginning because I gave you a bunch of how-tos, but here's, here's the deal. Think through all those. Hopefully, that was a lot. So hopefully just one thing stuck out, to be honest. Maybe it was that trust part. Maybe it was the giving. Maybe it was the honoring part. How is that actually? Okay, that's cool. This is this. How does that move to my heart? How does it stick to who I am? I would argue prayer. It's those times when you're like, I don't want it. I want to trust God only with my mind. I don't want to take risks. I don't want to do these things. What's the next thing? you then explore that with God in prayer. Oh, like I, I actually feel kind of stingy. I'm not giving. Uh, what it, what's the next step? You apply that through a life of prayer. So it may sound a little pokey, but if how can I tell if you are dependent on God? That's a praying person. They wake up every day and they live a life of prayer where they communicate with God and actually say, your will be done. And so I wanted to end, and I think this is a beautiful way to go into communion, is I want to end with uh, what we've called the Lord's Prayer. Um, I always call it the Disciples' Prayer because Christ doesn't need to um, ask for forgiveness of sin. So it's a model prayer, discipline, the Disciples' Prayer. And I don't know about you, but growing up, this prayer, honestly, um, it's really sh it sh formed this church. It's done that. But uh, I don't know if it was like my buddies. I'm just going to be frank. My buddies that were Catholic or different things or like maybe even movies, this prayer always was just like a prayer of protection. There's this like prayer of protection. I think that's beautiful. That's part of it. Pray to bring protection. But in light of what we're talking about and depending on God, I would argue this is a prayer of dependency. This is a prayer of surrender. This is a prayer that defeats selfishness. And this is actually a prayer, I think, that will actually propel you into a lifestyle of the kingdom. So let's read it with that in mind. And actually, even let's do this. If you're on the worship team, you can come, come up here. Thank you so much for listening. It's been an honor to share what the Lord has put on my heart. So let's read it.
And even let's read it. Um, some of you may do whatever you need to do. There's full freedom now to connect with the Lord. And as we, uh, we never graduate from this prayer. And let this prayer um, push you into more dependency on God. And while we're doing this before communion is, I think communion, communion is the perfect sign to actually say, this is anti-culture. This is, anti this is I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat this and say that this is my sustenance, that actually I'm alive because of what this man did. This is the most dependency type of act you can do. And it talks about giving, give us today our daily bread. So it says this. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.